so excited about this series that we started last week called Overwhelmed. Everybody say Overwhelmed. Look at your neighbor and say Overwhelmed. Look at your other neighbor and say Overwhelmed. Man, we started this series last week, and we started just talking about how life can be stressful at times, that so many times we feel overwhelmed, that we get overworked, and we get overbooked, and we get overdrawn, and we get maxed out and stressed out, and we just kind of just check out, and I'm telling you what, that life can be stressful at times. In fact, last week, we did a little survey, and we just asked everybody to raise your hand if you have in the last several weeks or last month or so, if if you have ever felt stressed or overwhelmed in life, and I'm telling you what, the results were overwhelming because every single person except one little 10-year-old boy raised their hand. You know what I'm saying? And wouldn't it be nice to be that 10-year-old little boy and not have any stresses and any worries in life? But the truth is that unless you're a 10-year-old little boy, you probably got some stresses. You probably got some worries. You probably got some fears and some anxieties and some things that cause you to feel overwhelmed in life. And the truth is, I really don't think that that's the way that God intends for us to live. In fact, I really don't think that God wants us to be stressed out all the time. So what we've been doing is we've been looking at the scripture and we've just been looking to see what are some things that we can learn that the scripture teaches us about dealing with stress, about dealing, dealing with these overwhelmed feelings that sometimes we have in life. So if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me to a book that uh, we, don't, we don't actually study from or preach from very often. It's a book called Haggai. Everybody say Haggai. The book of Haggai. And I want you to turn there, and it's okay to use your concordance at the front if you don't know where it is. It's on page 835 in my Bible, if that helps you this morning. But I want you to turn there, and while you're doing that, while you're finding that, I, I want to just review just a little bit of what we talked about last week so that we can catch everyone up. We had a key statement that is kind of just driving us through this entire series. And the key statement, if you remember it last week, I want you to say it aloud with me. It goes like, like this when what I have is less than what I need or want, the result is stress. Everybody say that with me again today. When what I have is less than what I need or what I want, the result is stress. And what we found is that stress, that these overwhelming feelings, they come from this deficit in our lives when we don't have as much as we need or as much as we want. And we broke it down into four different categories and we said that there are four different areas in our lives that we tend to feel overwhelmed for this very reason. We, we talked about when I don't have enough time to do all the things that I want to do or that I need to do when my schedule is too full and I'm running around trying to do all this stuff. I don't have enough time because what I have is not as much as what I need or what I want. What is the result? I start to feel stressed. I start to feel overwhelmed. I just don't have enough time to do all the things that I need to do, right? And, and then we said, hey, there's another area, and that's the area of our finances. When I don't have enough money at the end of the month, when I don't have enough finances for all the stuff that I, that I need or that I want or that I think I need, then, you know, the result is I feel all overwhelmed. I feel stressed. And, and, and then, then there's the area of relationships. When I don't have enough to give 
to the people that I love. Or when I can't seem to please everybody, I start to feel overwhelmed and stressed. And then there's this area of circumstances and when circumstances and when problems and when stuff hits and I just don't have enough strength to deal with the circumstances of my life, the result is that I start to feel overwhelmed. I start to feel stressed because what I have is not enough for what I need or what I think that I want. And and we're breaking it down into these four categories. And, And we started last week by talking about that very first one. And the basic point, the bottom line of last week was this. You can't do it all. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you can't do it all. You can't do it all. And so many of us, we run around and we scurry around like chickens with our heads cut off trying to do all of this stuff that we think that we have to do and our schedules are overloaded and we stress ourselves out because of it. And we just learned last week that you can't do it all. Now, this week, we're going to look at this next subject. This is like probably everybody's favorite subject, unless the pastor is talking about it. And that is this. We're going to talk about money. Money, 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 right? We're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about financial things. We're going to talk about how our finances can stress us out so many times. And I just want to do another little survey here this morning. And I just wonder how many of you would really be completely honest with me and you would say, Pastor, I mean, it's hard for me to admit, but the truth is many, many times, in fact, a lot of times in life, I find myself stressed out or overwhelmed because of this issue of money. Would you just be honest enough to just raise your hand? Now, keep them up. Keep them up high. Keep them up high. Now, everybody, everybody look around at all of these hands that are raised here today. So many people, you can put them down, so many people struggle with this area of money, of finances. It is the source of so much of our anxiety and so much of our stress. And what I wanted you to see is you looked around the room, you saw all these hands that are raised up. I wanted you to see that this is absolutely normal in our society today. Being stressed out about money is normal. I mean, debt is normal. Living paycheck to paycheck. That's normal in our society today. Fear and anxiety and worry over finances. Very, very, very normal. Fights in your marriage because of money is is normal. A, A lack of financial margin in our lives. This is a very normal thing in our culture and in our society today. And in fact, in this passage that we're going to study today, I think that we see a pretty clear picture of what so many people in America and in this culture that we live in, so many look just like what we're going to read today in the book of Haggai, chapter number one and verse number five. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look there with me as well as you can look on the screen or in your notes in your Version Bible app this morning. I want you to see what it says. It says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways, for you have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages, 
only to put them in a purse with holes in it. How many of you have ever found this to be kind of the way that it seems in life, right? It's like, no matter how much I have, it's never enough. And as soon as I get it, it's gone. Come on, anybody? It's like, I mean, I just got my paycheck. I'm not even to the bank yet. I haven't even deposited it yet. And it's already all spoken for, right? And it's like, man, as soon as I get it, it's gone. Maybe I get extra. Maybe I get a bonus. And before I even get the bonus, it's already spoken for. It's already gone. And it's almost like I take my money and I put it in a pocket that has holes in it. It's almost like I take my money and put it, like like I said in the scripture, I put it in a purse with holes in it. If you're a male here, you put it in a purse with holes in it. And it's like, as soon as I get it, it's gone. And that's so many people today living paycheck to paycheck in debt up to our ears. We spend way more money than we make and we're overwhelmed and stressed out completely in the area of finances. So what do we do? What do we do about it? Well, I believe that God's word has some incredible insight, even just right here in this passage, to help us with this area of our lives. And and in this passage, I just want us to break it down and look at it for a minute. And we're going to break it down into three things. And in order to to get through being overwhelmed and stressed out and stuff like that, when it comes to our finances, we're going to have to make some changes. Everybody say changes. I know that's hard. I know that's difficult. But guess what? If you always do what you've always done, what is going to happen? You're always going to get what you always got. So we're going to make some key changes here this morning that we find right from this passage. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to change your outlook. You're going to have to change your perspective or your view of money because here's the deal how you see something will directly affect how you treat it and many of us the reason that we have problems in the area of finances the reason that we're stressed out in this area overwhelmed about our finances is because we have an incorrect view we have an incorrect perspective on money and because we see it wrong we treat it wrong and we expect things of it that is never meant to to give us in our lives and we find ourselves frustrated and stressed out and overwhelmed and it all stems from this wrong outlook this incorrect perspective on money look at this passage in first timothy 6 and verse 6 i want you to see this it says but godliness with Contentment. Everybody say contentment. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Check this out. He says godliness with contentment is, does he say, is like a small gain? It's like, it's, you know, that, that would be okay if you, if you would be content with what you have, but it's not really that big deal. No, no, no. What does he say? He says, godliness with contentment is what? It is great 
gain. I mean, it is a big deal. If you can get to this place, if you can start to get this perspective on your finances and on your money, here it is. Let's throw a party because this is big, big stuff. It's great gain when you can learn to be content. Everybody say content. When you can learn to be content. And we've all seen it before, haven't we? I've, I've seen it before. People who, on the outside, it seems like they really don't have that much. Maybe they live in a smaller home. Maybe, maybe it's a modest home. Maybe they drive an older car that has lots of miles on it and a few dings in it. Or maybe, you know, they're not wearing the, you know, maybe they're not wearing this year's fashion. Maybe they're wearing last year's line of clothing. And on the outside, it seems like, you know, they shouldn't be all that happy with what they have. But they just have this thing down on the inside. It's just like this contentment. Have you ever seen people like that before? And I mean, it's just like, they're just happy. They're just content. They're just okay with what they have. And what have they, what have they found? They have found a proper perspective on money. They have found, they have found a correct outlook on finances, on money. They've learned to be content. But we've also seen it with other people who seem to have everything. I mean, they live in the nice neighborhood and they drive the latest model of car and they wear the latest fashions and they go on the greatest trips and they do all this stuff. And you would think with all the stuff that they have that they would just they would just be happy, but they're not happy. They're stressed out all the time because they got all this stuff, but now they've got all of this pressure to somehow be able to maintain and pay for all this stuff that they've got. And, and we see that in the next verse here in, in 1 Timothy in verse 9. It says, but people who want to get rich fall into temptation. And it's a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, evil, eager for money and for things, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with Many griefs. Look at that word. Many griefs. I mean, what kind of griefs do we see from folks that just don't seem to have a proper perspective on, on money? We see debt causing some great grief in people's lives. We see financial pressure and stress causing some great grief in people's lives. We see tension in relationships and fights in marriage that causes this great grief and stress and worry and anxiety in people's lives. We see people who have all of this stuff, but they can't enjoy all of this stuff that they have because they're just stressed out about all of this. And it all stems from this improper view or outlook on money. In fact, let me just break it down for you. If you're taking notes here this morning, I want us to just see what is the world's, what is the world's outlook on money? What does the world say about money? Well, the first one is this, is that the world tells us that money will make me happy. If I can just get more money, then I can get more stuff. And then if I get more stuff, then I'll be satisfied. And then I'll have what I want. And then I'll be happy. In fact, what is culture's definition of happy? 
happiness. I, I would say that culture's definition of happiness is just a little bit more than what you have. I mean, isn't that the truth? Like if I have something, culture tells me what I have is not good enough. You got to have something else. You, you got to, and I mean, we got advertisements and stuff everywhere telling us that you're not going to be happy until you have this. And if you get, you know, version uh, 2.0, then you won't be happy until you get version 2.1. And if you have an iPhone 4, you won't be happy until you have an iPhone 4S. And then if you have an iPhone 4S, you're certainly not going to be happy until you have the iPhone 5, right? And then if you have the iPhone 5, I mean, you're just a loser and you're not going to ever be satisfied until you have the 5S because then you can put your thumbprint on there and it recognizes your thumbprints. And you're not going to be happy until you have just a little bit more. And so what do we do? We run around trying to get more, thinking that money's going to make us happy. And, and you know, I look around at culture, and it's so funny to me. I, it's really not funny. It's sad. We see, we see 20-somethings that are just getting married, and they've been married for a year or so, and they think that they're supposed to be able to live at the same level as our parents lived. And our parents have been working for 25 years to get to the place they are and the things that they have. But we think that all of a sudden we're supposed to be where they are. And if we're not, we're not going to be happy and we're not going to be satisfied. So we charge up the credit cards and we go out and get ourselves over, over budget and, we, get, and we, we are so stressed out. And here's the thing is that what's so crazy about it is that many of us, most of us sitting here in this room today have more than we've ever had in our lives. And we're still not happy. That's what... That's what the scripture was saying. That's what God was saying to us in, in the book of Haggai, verse 6. Look what he says. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. Money won't make me happy. No, it won't. If you get more, you know what you're going to want? More. And it'll never, it'll never satisfy you. Here's another thing that the culture tells us about money. It says that money will make you important. You can get money... And you'll be important. Everyone look at you. And aren't you great? And aren't you special? And so in order to keep up with everybody else, man, I mean, we got to keep up with the Joneses, right? I mean, we got to keep up with the neighbors. And so, man, we got to have, I mean, the neighbors got granite countertops. we got to have granite countertops. And, you know, I mean, I'm a loser if I don't have granite countertops. You know what I'm saying? And, man, the neighbors got a new car, so i got to have a new car. And on and on and on and on it goes. And we'll do anything and everything because we think that money's going to make us feel more valuable. We, we put our value in our valuables. We put our value in the amount of stuff that we have and so we got to get more stuff and so if we can't afford more stuff then we'll just charge it right or maybe we'll work all of these crazy hours and neglect our family and neglect our loved ones because we got to have more stuff because it's going to make me feel more important and we'll pay 17 18 27 percent interest on stuff that we don't need all because we think that it's going to make us feel more importance. In the book of Haggai verse 6, God says, you have planted much but harvested little. In other words, you are working really, really hard all of these hours and you're stressed out and overwhelmed doing all this work to keep up this facade, but you really don't have anything to show for all your hard work. 
Proverbs says like this, Proverbs 13, verse 7, some people pretend to be rich. Have you noticed that? Some people pretend to be rich. Got this facade going on, but really they have nothing. It's an incorrect view of money. It, it'll make me happy. It, it'll make me important. Number three, here, here's where most of us are probably. We've probably figured out one and two. That doesn't work, but a lot of us fall for this one. Money will make me secure. Probably figured out that, all right, I've got more stuff and that didn't make me happy. And you know what? It really didn't make me any more important either. But here's where a lot of us wind up, especially when we start getting into our, our uh, middle ages. I hate to admit, I'm starting to get into that place. We start thinking about, well, I got to create a future, right? I got to make sure that my family is secure and I got to make sure, you know, and so we think that if I get more money, then I'll be able to secure my future. If I, if I can get enough saved up in my retirement fund, if I can build up my Roth IRA, if I can build up my, my portfolio with my 501k, and if I can get more money built up, then that will make me secure because I have enough to insure myself and to ensure my future. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how much money you have built up in your retirement fund, it can be gone in a moment. And there really is no security in money. We've seen it. Have we not seen it in the last several years with people who had retirement funds, people who had money in, you know, Enron and some of those things like that where we saw it, people who had thousands, even millions of dollars, and then in an instant, in a moment, it's gone. And that's what God was saying in verse 6. He says, you put on clothes, but you are not warm. In other words, you have money, but are you really protected? Are you really protected from the cold? Are you really protected from the elements? Are you really protected from the difficulties and the troubles that come in life? You can build up this false sense of security in your money, but you're really not secure in money because it doesn't matter how much you have, it can be gone in a moment. And we get this incorrect outlook, this incorrect, this cultural view of money, that it'll make me happy, that it'll make me secure, that it'll make me important. And no wonder we're stressed out and overwhelmed all the time about money because we're, we're wanting money to do for us what money will not and cannot ever do for us. We have a wrong view on money. So we got to change our outlook. Everybody say, change your outlook. You gotta change your outlook. You got to stop looking through a cultural outlook on money, and you have to start looking through a biblical perspective. You say, what what is what does God say about money? Well, here's the deal. Here's what God says about money. God says money is simply this. It's it's not gonna make you happy, it's not gonna increase your value, it's not going to make you secure. Here's here's the whole deal on money. Money is simply this money is a stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. God has placed money in your life so that you can be a steward of it. And the truth is here today is that everything you have, everybody say everything. Everything you have comes from God and belongs to God. 
It doesn't come from you. Well, I worked hard for it. Well, who gave you the who gave you the ability to work hard for it? Who even gave you the breath to wake up in the morning and go to that job and work hard from it? It all comes from God and it all belongs to him. The scripture tells us that the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. And so God has placed it in our life and he has not entrusted us with money so that we can be happy. He hasn't trusted us with money so that we can be more important. He hasn't trusted us with money so that we can be more secure. In fact, God wants you to find your happiness and your value and your security in him and him alone. And as long as we think that money is going to make us happy or secure or protected, then guess what? We're going to be frustrated and overwhelmed all the time. And until we get the proper perspective on money, that it's all God's and God has just given it to us so that we can be a steward of it. And we can find our happiness in Him and we can find our value in Him and we can find our protection from Him. And even when we don't have money, we've got all of those things. And God has just placed money in our lives so that we can be a steward, a manager of what he has placed in our lives so that, are you ready for this? It's going to blow your mind this morning. Here is the reason God has given us money, so that we can use it to bring glory to him. That's what the scripture says in Proverbs 24 and verse 1, or actually Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with your will. Why has God blessed you? Why has God given you money? Little or small, why has he made you wealthy? So that you can honor him. That's it, simply. So that you can bring honor and glory to him through your house, through your car, through your money, through everything that you have. He placed it in your life, not to make you happy, not to make you secure, not to make you important, but so that you can bring honor and glory to him through the money he's placed in your life. And until you get the right perspective, until you get the right outlook on money, you're going to be stressed out and overwhelmed and frustrated. But when you start to get the right outlook on money, it starts to change your life. You got to change your outlook. But then check this out. Number two, you got to change not just your outlook, you got to change your outgo. And, and here's the thing is that not only do we have to change the way we see money, we got to change the way we spend money. Because the problem for most of us is not an income problem. For most of us, the problem is an outgo problem. The problem is that we don't, it's not that we don't make enough money. The problem is that we spend too much money. And I know some of you that are here that you make more than others that are here this morning. But I'll tell you what, that... All of us make plenty of money to make it. Problem is, is that we spend more than we make. And if you spend more than you make, you're going to have money problems and it doesn't matter how much you make. And that's what the scripture was talking about in Haggai, verse 6. He says, you earn wages. Everybody say earn wages. You earn wages only to put them in pockets with holes in it. I want you to notice something. I never noticed this until I was studying this, but notice this. It wasn't that they didn't earn money. They did. It says, you earn wages. It wasn't an income problem that they had. Here's what it was. It was an outgo 
problem. You earn wages, but you put it in, in pockets that have holes in it. And the truth is, most of us here this morning, we make enough money. Problem is, we put it in pockets with holes. We, we spend too much. And it's, it's an outgo problem. And here's, here's what it is. It's really, it's an order of the outgo. Because here's how, here's how it works for most people in America. We make money, we get our paycheck, here's, here's how it goes. First of all, we spend it first. We see anything we want, we spend it, spend it, spend it, pay all the bills, spend all that kind of stuff. And then, if there's anything left, then we might save some for later. And then, if there's anything left after we've spent it and saved it, then we might sow some or give some into the kingdom of God. And the problem with that is that after we've spent, 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 then there's usually not very much left to save, if any at all. And then after we've spent and we've saved, then there's definitely not any left to sow or to give into the kingdom of God. And the order of our outgo is the problem with our finances. So here's what we've got to do. You've got to reverse the order. And here's how it ought to look. Here's the biblical order for outgo in your finances. You've got to sow it first. So the first thing you do when you get your finances, when you get your paycheck, when you get paid, the first thing you do is you sow into the kingdom of God. Because here's the deal. You will never have a harvest unless you sow some seeds. And some of us are wondering why we don't have blessings in our lives. And it's because, hey, you can't have a harvest unless you first plant some seeds into the ground. And the problem for most of us is that we've got all this out of order. And we want to give to God and we want to sow into the kingdom of God. But by the time we've spent it and saved it, we don't have any, anything left to sow into the kingdom. And then we don't have any blessings in our lives because we didn't plant any seeds in the ground. And we got it all out of order. So you've got to sow it first. That's what the Bible Bible is talking about in verse number nine. The Israelites, this is what they had done. They had got, they had got their outgo out of order. Verse number nine, it says, you expected much, but you see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Mm, man, that's, mm, that's big stuff right there. You're taking care of your house before you take care of God's house, therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew on the earth and its crops. And I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. Here's the deal. God says, here's the reason that you have holes in your pockets. Here's the reason that, that you're struggling financially. For the Israelites, he said, because you have put your house in front of my house. And because you have put your house in front of my house, what does he say? He says, you didn't get what you expected. You didn't have enough. And in fact, he said, everything you had, I blew it away. And I withheld the blessings. I, withheld, I closed up the sky and withheld the rain on your crops. And for many people, here's the reason they struggle financially is because they put their house before God's house and God can't bless them because they got all this out of order and God closes up the heavens and you work really, really, really hard, but then as soon as you get it, he blows it away. 
I just let that sink in for a sec because it's tough. It is tough. But here's the deal. you got to put God first. And there's a biblical word for that. It's called the tithe. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we talk about that all the time. But over and over and over through the scripture, the, the Bible teaches us to bring the first 10% of our income to God. To put him first. To sow seeds into his kingdom so that we can have the blessings and the harvest in our life. He, he says that we ought to bring to him the first fruits. The tithe is not just 10%. It's the first 10%. It's symbolic of God. You are first in my life. The scripture says that when we bring to him the tithe, he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out blessings on our life. The scripture says in Matthew 6, it says if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added to us as well. When you get your outgo in the right order, then you can, you can get into a position where God can put his blessings upon the rest of your outgo and then you won't be so frustrated and stressed all the time about money come on i'm helping you this is good stuff this morning but here's the thing if you're not a tither begin to be a tither but here's the thing is that this is not the only thing that you need to do if you're going to be if you're going to overcome being stressed out about your finances and some people here's what we do is we think well and sometimes we even portray this as pastors, just, just tithe and just give and then God will bless you and you won't have to worry about anything else. But that's not, that's not it. You've got to sow first, but the second thing is this, you've got to save it second. Everybody say save it. You've got to save it. Now, after you've sowed into the kingdom of God, here's what you need to do. You need to save some aside for a rainy day. And the problem is we are terrible at this. Because we see something and we want it now, right? And we have very little self-discipline. In fact, look at this. I came across these statistics. The average American saves less than 5% of his income. Some of you are like, well, that's good, saving 5% of his income. Well, compare that to many other parts of the world. In Japan, the average Japanese person saves 25% of their income. In Europe, the average European saves around 18%. Of their income. And as Americans, we've got this thing that I want it and I want it now, and we have this very little discipline and we're very impatient, and so we get it and we see it and we spend it. But the Bible says that if we're wise, we won't spend everything that we have. In fact, we will save some for a rainy day. In fact, Proverbs 6 and verse 6, look what it says Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at the harvest. You know what the sad thing is? That so many of us aren't even as wise as an ant. Ants are like this big. Their brains are like this little bitty. And we're not even as wise as that. Because as soon as we get something, we spend it. And the ant realizes that it may be summer right now, but it ain't always going to be summer. That there's going to be a winter time that's going to come. And if I don't prepare for the winter, then when, the, when it's in summer, then when the winter time comes, then I'm going to be in trouble. And here's the thing, is that there will be financial winter times in your life. 
You may be rolling in the dough right now, but I'm telling you, there's going to come a time when you're going to need, you're going to need some savings. You're going to need some provisions. So every one of us, this is what we need to do. You ready for this? This is going to be the, it's going to blow your mind here this morning. This is what we need to do. We need to have an oh shoot fund. How many, how many have ever had an oh shoot moment? You know, like, oh shoot, you know what I'm saying? Some of you call it something else, but... And you know what you need? You need an oh shoot fund for those times in your life when it's like, oh shoot, the car broke down, right? Oh shoot, I lost my job. Oh shoot, Johnny broke his ankle playing soccer or whatever it is, the washing machine is out. And what happens when you have an oh shoot moment and you don't have anything in the oh shoot fund? Well, oh shoot, you're in trouble. So, so you've got to have, you've got to have something saved, something set aside for that time because it will, it will come. Let me just get real practical and give you some really practical advice to help you here today. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dave Ramsey before. Dave Ramsey, here's what he says. He says, the first step to financial free, freedom after tithing is to save up at least $1,000 in an emergency fund. Some of you, that needs to be the next step today. When I leave here today, I'm going to set aside, I'm going to take my, what, my next paycheck and I'm going to sow it first. I'm going to bring my tithe and offering to God. Then I'm going to save some second and I'm going to start saving towards an emergency fund, towards an oh shoot fund. And I'm going to at least get $1,000 in that oh shoot fund, in that emergency fund. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to, that's going to take so much pressure off of you because where did we say stress comes from? Stress comes from when what I have is not enough to meet what I need or what I want. And some of you, the reason you're so stressed out financially is because you have absolutely no margin. And if the car broke down tomorrow, you would have nothing to pay for it, nothing to take care of it. And you're all stressed out because you know that. But what if you had some money set over here, thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars, sit over here just in a fund just for that then when the car breaks down you don't even have to stress out about it because hey there's money over there and we already have it and we just take care of it come on you got to sow it first you got to save it second number three you got to spend it last now here's the fun part some of you are like "Woo, yeah now we're getting to the good stuff i'm gonna spend some money we have any spenders in here today let's just do a survey how many of you are spenders 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 how many of you are savers you save 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 there was a whole lot more spenders raised their hand than savers and so you're really excited because you're like yeah it's the fun part i get to spend it and here's the thing is this this takes so much pressure off because once you have sown it into the kingdom, and once you have saved some for a rainy day, guess what happens? It's okay if you spend it. Because you've already sown it, you've already given it, and you've already saved it. So now you get to spend it. But here's the key. I'm going to put a little disclaimer here, and there's one little word that's so important. I'm going to spend it, but I'm going to spend it wisely. I'm going to spend it Wisely, I, I've got to be wise about, about how I spend my money. And the thing is that, and this is where a lot of people get, get confused, get messed up. Well, I paid my tithe. I gave my tithe, and I'm still broke, and I'm still stressed out financially. And why didn't God bless me like Pastor said he would bless me? And why are we still struggling? Why are we still? Here's why. is because you spent more than you made. And it doesn't, it, 
It doesn't matter if you are the most generous person in the church and you tithe more faithfully than anybody else. If you spend more money than you make, you're still going to have financial problems. It is a principle of life. It is a biblical principle that if I just spend everything that I make, even if I tithe and if I saved, I'm still going to have money problems. So, so you've got to get some discipline. Now that's, man, that's not a fun word, but you've got to have discipline. And the problem is most of us have no discipline, and this is what we do. We see it, and so we have to have it, or the kids see it, and so we can't say, we can't, we can't tell them no, so we gotta, we got to give them what they want. And we see that dress, and it's on sale. It's 10% off, and so we don't have money to buy it, but hey, it's on sale, and so I'll put on a credit card and pay 17% interest on the dress I got 10% off. I mean, come on. So, I'm going to teach you a word. You ready? I'm going to teach you a word that will help you, that will change your life. It's not a hard word, but we're, we're going to do it phonetically because some of you, just, you don't know how to say it. You don't know how to do it, all right? So, the word goes like this. You put, you put your tongue on the top of your mouth. It goes like this. Can everybody do that? And then the second part of the word goes like this. Oh, so everybody do, oh, like that. Can you, and then you put those two together and it goes like this. No. Come on, do it again. No. One more time. No. Mom, can I have that? No. Hey, honey, can we get a new car? No. Can we go on a trip and, or can we go out to eat and spend $75 when we don't really have? No. Whatever it is, we get a little discipline in our lives and we, and we sow it first and we save it second and we spend it last and then we spend it wisely. And I'm not telling you just be a Scrooge. I'm not telling you that you can't. But sometimes when you don't have it in the budget, you just have to say no. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a person with no self-control is like a city with broken down walls. What happens when the city's walls are broken down? Well, the enemy can come in and steal. If you have no discipline, if you have no self-control, then everything that you have, you can even, you can even be a tither and a giver, but the enemy can just walk right in and steal. Because you, you spend more than you make, you have no discipline, your city is broken down, the walls are broken down. So, so you've got to change your outlook. Number two, you've got to change your outgo. Number three, when you change your outlook and you change your outgo, here's the great part. It will change your outcome. Look at this, verse number 13. Here's, here's the Israelites. They're putting money in pockets that has holes. They can't be, they're not satisfied. They, they have clothes and they're not warm. They, whatever, they have food and they're not, they're not satisfied with it. And it's all because they're putting their house before God's house. But when they begin to put God, godly wisdom into place in their lives, here's what happens. Things begin to change. In verse number 12, it says, Then the high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. Look at this. I am with you, declares the Lord. When they began to listen to 
God. And when they begin to obey the word of God and when they begin to apply his ways to their lives, then suddenly they went from we don't have enough and whatever we get, it's just like God blows it away and God has closed up the heavens upon us. They went from that to now I am with you. Here's the thing. When you do things God's way, maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow, but eventually over time when you begin to apply the principles of God's word to your life, things begin to change. And it it may take a little while because maybe you planted a whole bunch of bad seeds, but when you start planting good seeds, eventually you're going to start planting a good harvest because God's ways are better. And so I, I challenge you here today. Look at your life. What are you doing with your finances? Some of you... You've been doing it your way for a long, long time. And just like Dr. Phil would say, I'm just going to ask you, how's that working for you? You're stressed out. You're overwhelmed. You're all anxious. You're in debt up to your ears. You've been doing it your way. But your way doesn't work. I'm here to tell you God's way. It always works. So what do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? The only thing you've got to lose is the blessing of God on your life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start seeing money in a different light. That it's not, it's not for my pleasure. It's not for me to be important. It's not for my protection and so that, so that I, can, I can ensure my future. No, 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 no. It's so that I can bring glory to God so I can honor God with this part of my life. I'm going to change my outgo. I'm going to, I'm going to put God first and sow into his kingdom first. And then I'm going to save some for a rainy day. And then I'm going to spend it. I'm going to spend it wisely. And I'm going to use some discipline in my life and the way that I spend. And when I do, when I begin to do things God's way, then he begins to open up the windows of heaven and pour out his blessing on our lives. And here's the thing today. If this message hits home, it's because it hits the heart. Because the scripture says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I just want you to check your heart today. If you're offended by this and you're offended by the message this morning, let me just just very humbly and gently say, maybe, just maybe, you've allowed money, treasure to get a hold of your heart. Maybe you need to change your heart just a little bit this morning because when God really has our heart, then he's going to have every other part of us as well.